calling all queens It's time we live out our dreams It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30 Getting financially free and we healing and hurting It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30 Loving me and all my queens cause we know we are worthy It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30 Getting financially free and we healing the hurting it's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30 Loving me and my queens because we know we are worth it Love yourself There ain't no one else Welcome back to the 30 Go Podcast. It is your co-host, Tia Noel. Hi, guys. It's your girl, Keisha Joe, And we have a guest today here on the 30 Go Podcast. Her name is Amanda Neely, and she runs Grandma's Wealth Wisdom. Welcome, yes. Amanda. Thanks for having me, Tia and Keisha. Nice yes. to be here. So excited to have you on. So go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, so... I'm a, a 30 girl uh, in my 30s, and I'm loving it. Uh, life is good. I'm on my second business. I've got an almost four-year living in Cincinnati, Ohio, and helping people break through to smart, stable financial futures every day. I love it. Yes, awesome. awesome. We are all about financial freedom and financial wisdom on the 30 Girl Podcast, and that is something that we pride ourselves in as 30 girls getting our finances in order so we can enjoy the fruits of that labor in our 40s. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. 100%. So tell us about grandma's uh, wealth wisdom. How did you come up with that concept and give us a little more um, information about um, that business? Yeah. So I'll take you back to my 20s, like a lot of folks in their in life not really thinking about financial future and making sure I'm set there and um, had started a business wrote my first business plan when I was like what would that have been 25 opened the business um, when I was 27 yeah and round about 29 I realized holy cow if one thing goes wrong I could be filing bankruptcy and mm -hmm. having to start from scratch and around that time, uh, partly how I realized that I actually met a financial planner and he opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, it was about time I did something. And in fact, and hopefully it wasn't too late and it wasn't too late. Um, it's never too late to do something, but I started, uh, figuring out how to walk back from that cliff, right. And, uh, correct my financial ship. But as a business owner as someone in my, uh, you know, that had come of age just after the great recession had started. And thankfully I was a little ahead of the game. I'd had a job, right. Uh, but you know, cause I graduated college in 2006. So I'd gotten a job before everything kind of went kaput in 2007 and 2008, mm -hmm. but seeing some of the younger kids that I went to college with not be in the same situation. I was like, I, I have to do something, but I also don't trust these big banks. There could be another financial crash on Wall Street, and I'm a business owner. I, I can't play that game. I need to do something a little different. 
And thankfully he introduced me to what the greatest generation, the people that would have been our grandparents coming uh, of age after the great depression, how they thought a little differently about money than our boomer parents did. And in fact, prioritize stability and safety of their money rather than putting all their money at risk in a 401k like our parents were and things. And that wisdom that had stood the test of time that had carried them through, I thought this has to, there has to be something here. And lo and behold, now sold that uh, former business and I'm wanting to spread that kind of information to others that might think like me that think, I don't want to do what my parents did that hasn't really worked out for them. Or maybe it's working out now, but there could be another crash happen. How do I make sure that I'm not impacted in the same ways? My 401k doesn't become a 201k like the joke was back then and stuff like that. (laughs) Most definitely. This is um, like a timely kind of topic for me. I know I, Keisha, I shared with you last week that I literally just signed up for uh, my employer's retirement plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I felt like such an adult. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm paying into my retirement. Um, and I was kind of get- telling her that in our community, um, when you're, when I first, I've been working since I was 13, by the way, like summers, I would get summer jobs, but I've always wanted to be in the workforce. Um, and then coming into the workforce and nobody really explaining to you about like retirement and setting yourself up for the future. Nobody really teaches you that. So being, let's say when I had my first real job where I was offered like retirement, um, All I saw was someone taking money out of my paycheck that I couldn't touch until I was 65. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm only making $12 an hour. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me you want to take $90 out of my check to store away from me when I'm 65. Like, I was so against that. But as I've I've become older, 35 now, um, and just kind of having it explained in a different way, Um, I know a lot of us just see that retirement and those deductions coming out of your check as something that you can't touch, something that is going to be set away aside for you um, at an age where you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to be doing anything when I'm 65. So why do I, why am I worried about that now? So um, can you explain to our listeners some other ways besides like your company's retirement, how you should be setting yourself up for the future um, and how it is going to be beneficial and don't kind of view it. Like I have all these years as somebody taking away, um, money that I can't touch until I'm 60. Yeah. Yeah. Um, such, such good stuff. Um, I want to start with saying like the match is a pretty important tool in people's financial toolbox. Take the match, run with it, make sure it's going to vest for you, you know, all the things to the company retirement plan, getting that match is an amazing thing that we should all be thankful for. And um, if if there was ever another option, like instead of getting the match, we got a pay raise, I'd be all for that. But right now the match, take it. Take it. And And I learned that from Keisha. She was like, max it out. Give them all the dead. Take it. She's like, if they're going to match you, do the max. So I did do that. So yeah. Great. Great. Now, Here's what I see, because I'm working a lot with people in their 40s and 50s and into their 60s. And here's the thing that I hear from them a lot. Life happens. Things uh, go wrong. Things do not go as you expect. 
and they keep tapping into that mm-hmm. 401k. They keep taking 401k loans or because they're in predicament, they end up having to take withdrawals from their 401ks and pay 10% penalties because they don't have any other options. That's where all of their money is. They don't have anything else. And that's where the power of having money outside of those retirement funds is also really critical. And that's actually what I specialize in is building money that you can access whenever you need it for whatever you need it for. And yet it's still there for you if you, if you don't use it, right. Um, or if you, even if you do use it, it's still growing for you, for your retirement, for your older years, it's kind of the money that you can enjoy now and still have growing for you and working for you throughout. So this would be the money you're thinking about for buying cars or paying for your kid's college, Mm -hmm. taking vacations, putting down payments on homes or like repairing your roof or getting, getting a whole new roof. Uh, all these like major expenses that are going to come up too many Americans are having to take 401k loans and get into a whole predicament there or take early withdrawals and pay that penalty in order to do those things of life that we all know are going to happen. And yet no one remembers to set money aside for those and make sure that they're thinking those kind of things through as well. Yeah. So that is a great point. So for the people who already have a hard time with, you know, the 401k, income coming out, how do you recommend um, we split our money up? So we're, we're contributing to our 401k. Some people, you know, they may put money aside for savings, but how would you um, suggest that we divvy the funds up? Because it's already tight. Yeah. So one thing that I found really powerful is thinking about to start. Because if you're living on $1,000 a month, you're not going to miss $10. Right. Right? Okay. Um, if you're living on, you know, $10,000 a month, you're not going to miss 1000 right? Um, the Or whatever that math is. Um, the, or not, no, you're not going to miss 100 Sorry, 10000 One percent is 100 So thinking in percentages that way, I found really helpful and starting to build that habit, starting to build that muscle of 1% is going into savings, not into investing, but into something that's safe, predictable, going to be there for you when you need the stuff of life. And that can be really powerful to start. You start building that habit, start building that muscle, kind of like going to the gym. You don't start by running a marathon. You start by you know, walking on the trail for 20 minutes. That's that's the kind of the equivalent there. And then you work your way up as you're in next time you get a pay raise or the next time um, you're realize I don't really need this subscription or that thing. Now I'm ready to bump it up to 2%. And um, you start to see ways that you could save more and improve the situation particularly, hopefully we're all getting pay raises and we're able to make those adjustments. You just got a 3% pay raise. Now you can save 2% instead of 1% of your pay, but that, um, and that 2% is going to be greater than 2% of whatever your pay was before the pay raise. So be thinking along those lines, I think is really important. And then the aim, the goal, this actually comes from our grandparents, the greatest generation, what they did was what we call grandma's 10, 10, 10 savings formula. 
uh, they would take their income and 10% would go toward long-term retirement. This is for their older years to make sure they're taken care of. But then they would also save 10% for medium-term things like the new car, the roof, the kids' college, weddings, you know, stuff like that. And then they would save 10% for short-term, you know, the December holidays that come around every year, birthday presents, oil changes, you know, things that aren't monthly that would well, still happen kind of short-term savings that way. And that would be, that's kind of scary if you're just starting out saving 30%. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine living on 70% mm -hmm. of what I'm making. Um, but that's where you can start with the 1%. Or if you're only getting a 3% match for the 401k, start with 3%. And now you've got 6% going there and you can focus on the other two and making sure you're setting aside funds. What I love about thinking that way too is that the short-term side, you know, the 10% going there. Now all of a sudden, when you get to a December holiday and you're buying gifts, you've got money for it. You're not going into debt and that's going to help you get ahead as well. Oh, those yeah, are like great that. tips. Oh they my are. gosh. Like I'm excited to put away 1% of my check. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the starting small. It makes you kind of, I think when you, and I love how you simplified that 1%. I'm like, okay, I could do that. I could do 1% um, of my check yeah. and not miss it because I blow that on DoorDash. So, right. I mean, if you, and I think that's where we are right now um, in our household is kind of reevaluating our finances um, and they're getting better. But just having that savings that set for just in case and something just in case. I know a friend of um, a friend of mine, she has like a lot of bank accounts and she has a car maintenance bank account. She has a gifts and weddings and graduations bank account and she has a um, a fun money bank account. So all of her money is not intertwined. So mm -hmm. if somebody graduates, she can pull 20 out of that account to, to buy them a gift or a gift card or something like that. I really kind of like that concept as well, not having all your money in one place and you're pulling it from different directions. And I don't think that's something that we we kind of teach our kids and I wish financial literacy was something that was required in school because I feel like we are our kids would be so far ahead mm -hmm. if they taught, if that was important, just like the, the standardized tests are like so important. Financial literacy should be right up there with those standardized tests. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And guess what? As parents, we get to step into what the school should be doing. I actually have a fun story here. Um, I remember in, I think it was sixth grade, they taught us how to write checks and balance a checkbook. Yes, yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah. Yep. And I thought, oh, this is easy. And my parents had been fighting about some credit card debt my mom had gotten into. My mom, my dad was really mad about it. And I just didn't want them fighting anymore. So I was like, money is not that hard. I just learned how to do this. All I knew, of course, is how to write a check and how to balance <laughs> a checkbook. But I forced my mom to sit down with me at the kitchen table and how to pay the bills, make sure that on the credit card kind of because I just wanted my parents to stop fighting yeah. and I, oh my gosh. I was six sixth or seventh grade this happened That's right crazy. I, I I didn't know any better right that yeah. what I almost four-year-old now he turns four in like 18 days from this recording but <laughs> I've already gotten him um instead of one piggy bank he has three piggy banks the words give, save, and spend written on them, yes. or no, wow. share, save, and spend. So, security is kind of getting that concept. 
and I'm planning to include him in Family Money Matters throughout his childhood so that he starts to learn the mindset and how we think about it. And then when he's going to ask, can I buy this toy? It's not just, no, we can't afford it. It's like, well, let's, let's look at the budget. Let's look mm-hmm. at, we use a, a software called You Need a Budget. He can have his own little budget in that account and we can teach him financial responsibility and all those things all along the way. I actually, I wouldn't want a school to be teaching my kid. I'd want to be teaching him. That way he gets the right mindset, not the mindset some bank is paying a teacher to tell him. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I know my boss was, we were talking about retirement and I was kind of sharing um, my story with her. Um, she actually, when her son was small she was one year she said he just had this astronomical amount of money from like birthdays and Christmases from um, grandparents and family and she said she gave him um, probably like half of it to just spend and she made him invest the rest of it and she said he really didn't get the concept like why am I going to put my money here like mm-hmm. and I can't just go spend it and she was like now he has enough to buy his self his own car at 16 and he's 11 now she was like imagine how much more he'll have um, when he's able to buy a car at 16 he'll be able to buy his own and he'll be able to buy a small Honda if he wants to yeah. and mm-hmm. that's from him investing a couple of hundred dollars that he would have blew on roadblocks. Yes. <laughs> so yes. that's something that I was like, well, thinking about my own kid, she's 13 and between her grandparents, her dad, her, all of her, her family, her, her network, she maybe cashes in about $500 every birthday. And I'm like, yeah. what are you going to do with all that? Now I'm going to make her start investing it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's a trust exercise too. It builds your relationship with your kids for them to trust what you're telling them, just like they trust when you say you need to eat your vegetables. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Such good information. I feel like financial literacy and financial wealth is so important, especially in our community, like the black community. I yeah. feel like mm-hmm. these are things that we don't teach. These are things that we don't value. Um, And it really sets us back generationally Mm -hmm. because we don't have anything to pass on to our kids. Like our parents are still renting because they didn't know the importance of of owning a home and passing along that generational wealth. So these conversations that that we're having are super, super important. And these values are super important for us to 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 instill in our own children so they don't make the same mistakes that we made. And we don't make the same mistakes our parents made. So, yeah. And we have to remember that it's, it's not just like there's all kinds of institutional racism that is at play here. And I know I have to check a little bit of my privilege at the door as a white person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in learning more and more about money, I learn about how difficult it was for someone to get a mortgage based on the color of their skin or based on their gender. And also like the property values and how those have changed because racism is real and it really frustrates me. It makes me really angry. Um, and, but it also fuels what I do every day and makes me feel honored and privileged when I get to work with communities of color and help them, um, take advantage of opportunities that are there now that our grandparents wouldn't have had. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 100%. And it's crazy because I feel like no matter what your race is here in the United States, this is one level 
one even level playing field that we all can relate to. At some time in our lifetimes, we've put ourselves in into some some sort of debt, whether it be student loan debt or credit card debt or whatever. Um, so this is a common ground for a lot of people. And just like for you, um, Amanda and myself, I became passionate about you know financial literacy and wanting to help others just in my own journey of learning about my own finances and what what we did not know so that is great too so thank you <laughs> from ohio from maryland <laughs> to ohio <laughs> absolutely this For is teaching. such yeah good, such good information to have so if you could give our listeners um a few quick tips on um how to kind of how meet them where they are like how would where would they start what are some small things that they can do now that will pay off in the future for them yeah so the number one thing i always tell people is that you have to know what you want and where you're going and you have to do that before you start to pick this financial product or that financial strategy. You have to be really clear on what you want your money to do for you and what's important about that. For some people, you know, paying off their mortgage is super important. For other people, it'd be important never to even have a mortgage, just mm -hmm. stay renting because they want that freedom. That's okay. Don't let anyone else tell you what's important to you and why. Define that for yourself. And then with that clarity, create your financial team, go find allies for yourself, both financial professionals, you know, tax professionals, attorneys, whatever you might need, but also uh, people that you share financial decisions with significant others, maybe it's family members. Um, we don't talk about money enough, right? It's one of those taboo topics we're not supposed to talk about. But what if we did? How would our stories change? One of the things I count very fortunate is that uh, my parents did open up to me and I knew a little bit when we were filling out the FAFSA then for college, I had already gotten a little sneak peek into their financial story, you know, that my mom would even allow me to help her do that in sixth grade. So then I was more able to prepare better to make sure I was getting the grants and scholarships for college. And then even beyond then, I now take care of my mom. She had a stroke. I was more capable of helping be part of that conversation and make sure she's able to pay her medical bills and feed her, you know, herself and all those kind of things because I, I, there's been an openness about it all along the way. And I hope, you know, when I was telling that story of including our kids in the conversation for a lot of families, they would never even consider that. I say, consider it, make it a family affair. That's what the rich do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very true. <laughs> Very true. And, and that's actually the third thing I would share is strategies that the rich are using are available are not yet wealthy monetarily. Um, things like having a team involving a community that's available, but also some of the strategies and tools that they use. And one of them that I found that I found is totally transparent is something that's called bank on yourself or infinite banking where you can become your own sort of financing there's all kinds of tax advantages under current to um to have that money outside of your retirement account that you can still access and use when you want that but still grow better than a savings account and maybe in some situations be safer than just having your money in a bank um if you there's a website bankonyourself.com or if um you want to that 
the website is a little boomery. <laughs> if you want to talk to somebody that's more our age and uh, talks about the concept in a different way, I, I love talking to people about how to uh, take control of their financial future without relying on a bank or on uh, solely on Wall Street and retirement accounts. Yes, I love that. The shortcuts. We yes. need all of those, yeah. you know, backhand, backdoor techniques to get us by. Um, yeah. So how can we book a consultation consultation with you? Yeah, and that's actually really easy. We have our calendar and our website at grandmaswealthwisdom.com. There's a button that says request a meeting in the top right-hand corner. Just make me on that calendar. You could talk to my husband <laughs> as girls. I know we're going to have a different conversation. So just look for me there. Yes. Awesome. That is amazing. And I just want to stress that um, talking about finances in your family are super, super important. I know it's a like topic, but even in my marriage, I feel like the more that we talk about money and the more that we talk about, talk about our financial issues, the less stressful it is and the less kind of amped up we get when we do start talking about finances because mm -hmm. when you're not talking about it and you're kind of just holding it all in everybody kind of gets like oh I don't want to talk about this but when you talk about it more those conversations and those topics become easier to discuss and easier to work through so definitely mm -hmm. um, talk more about finances and your financial position in your families and I'm definitely going to start including my kids because maybe they will see that they don't need to eat 100 waffles if there's 100 <laughs> waffles in the refrigerator just because they're there. So they know how yeah. much groceries cost and they know that we're budgeting. So maybe I will do that. That's a good tip. <laughs> yes. Um, do add, I, add an incentive in there too. If they, you know, mm -hmm. if she saves and she reaches $100 or something, she can spend, you know, the 1% or the 10% the, the yeah. of that. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll have to incorporate the little ones. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got two tips there really quick. One is it, when you're having those money meetings, incorporate something fun like a glass of wine or ice cream or whatever your advice is makes the meeting so go so much better. Mm -hmm, yeah. And we've developed a framework. We call it the still method, S-T-I-L-L -L method. Um, you can download it for free at stillmethod.com. That's all kind of a framework for that conversation. Each of the letters in STILL stands for an acronym and there's questions to ask. And it, using that, the framework for the conversation makes it a lot easier than, okay, let's talk about money. What's on your mind? It's yeah. let, yeah. so uh, the S is set your sights. Remember, what are your goals? What are you aiming for? That's often the most fun part of a money meeting is kind of dreaming a little bit. And then the T is track your in and out. Actually, look, how, how's our budget? What's come in? What's gone out? The I is inspect your progress. Okay, has, has our money been doing things to get us closer to where we want to go? And then uh, the first L is look for the 1% adjustment, small change we could make that'll, that'll get us closer to where we want to go. And then the final L is live deliberately. Okay, what's it going to take to make that change? What phone call? What conversation? what um, difference we're going to do. Let's try it out. Let's make an experiment. And then let's come back in a week or a month or however often you want to do these kind of money meetings. And let's go through it again. Let's start with set our sites and go through it. And there's the, the playbook that we have for this at stillmethod.com has questions to like help um, jump into each one of those letters as you go. 
Oh, that's awesome. Definitely yeah, that, those are that. definitely great, great um, suggestions. So this has been a great, great topic. I love yeah, it. It's very informative. Too. Very informative. <laughs> you. A little bit different perspective than you hear from most financial professionals, I hope. Um, and because I think we need to start changing how we talk about money and what our story is, because we live in a different world than our parents did. We can't just take the same conventional thinking that they've had. Yes, absolutely. And it is um, very 30 girl of us to discuss these financial matters. It has been a while since we had another, um, you know, financial literacy coach um, on on the podcast with us. So this is a completely different approach from what we're used to. But I do want you really quick before we get off to um, let our listeners know when you became a 30 girl. I know you did talk about a lot. It clicked when you were 27. Um, but what was the major turning point? We do like to point that out. Yeah. So even though I started my money journey in my late 20s, it was really when I found out I was pregnant at 34 that I finally decided I, I need to make sure I'm living my life in a in the way that I want to for myself to be a good mom mm-hmm. and so that I can raise my son the way I really want to. And that ultimately led me to sell our first business. It was a coffee shop. We were there, you know, too many hours a week. Couldn't imagine bringing a, a little guy there and couldn't make lattes holding an infant. <laughs> holding a small child. Um, and really like making the choice, I'm going to craft my life and I'm going to do whatever it takes to be who I want to be and to be that model for him that I, I want him to see so that he can live his best life long-term. And I would never have done that had I not started making strides financially, started learning about goal setting, you know, doing all the things, Mm -hmm. but it was really like having that confidence to say enough is enough. I'm going to choose what's best for me. And trust the process that that's going to actually make the world a better place and not just for you know uh, the people halfway around the world but also for my son and everywhere in between let's do this and that's been that's been transformative yes I love that and that's midway in your 30s so to all of our listeners we like to stress to you that 30 girl has nothing to do with the age it is absolutely a lifestyle so whenever you get that mindset shift um like Amanda said that trans transformative period in your life that's when it's time to you know put your put your big girl draws on and and live your life delivery the last l in the school method absolutely (laughs) so amanda tell our listeners where they can find you on social media oh um well wherever you're listening to this podcast you can find the uh, wealth wisdom financial podcast we also i love our youtube channel we put so much great financial literacy type stuff out there just look for wealth wisdom financial and you'll see our channel with the neelys my husband and i host it together awesome well thank you so much for being on the podcast we appreciate you and all your financial wisdom and these were great great and hopefully our listeners will um, take them and run with them after they listen to this awesome episode. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I can't wait to have y'all on our show as well. So everybody yes. um, go subscribe to that YouTube channel so that you'll see Keisha and Tia when they come live on our show as well. Oh, yes, we can't absolutely. wait. And thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Yes, later.